Welcome to the SBS Tour de France podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to this new episode of the Zwift Tour de France podcast, episode 21. I'm Christophe Mallet, I'm your host. Before we go down to the actual review of the stage from last night, let me remind you that you can find this podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash cyclingcentral, on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, on iTunes, of course, and you can schedule a ride with Zwift at zwift.com. I'm joined in this podcast today with Rob Arnold. Hi, Rob. Good to be back, Christophe. Thanks for having me. That's okay. And I'm pumping today because a, an amazing victory by Warren Barguil on top of a legendary climb. Is a, I am not mincing my words. That was an amazing performance by Warren Barguil. I'm biased, but I don't care. I think everyone can join in the chorus. If uh, anything you can do, uh, and so on. <laughs> so it really is the Michael and Warren show for Sunweb, isn't it? You know, when one wins uh, one stage, then the other wins one, and, and so on it goes. And uh, you got to be happy for them. He... he did make it look a little bit easy. Is it fair to say that? That's a bit rude. But um, for what was dressed up as being the absolute pinnacle stage of the race, I, I don't like to say it, but it wasn't quite according to script, was it? We saw a, a fairly uh, rudimentary race. Absolutely. If we look at the, 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 the top part of the GC, uh, the three riders stuck together. Aru got dropped. Uh, I think that's basically the story of that Tour de France. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, um, I think there was a little bit of hope from AG2R and uh, Cannondale Drapak that either uh, Roman Bardet or Rigoberto Uran could try and sort of ply away some of that 27 seconds. But, I mean, OK, admittedly, with the time bonus that Bardet got for third place, he'll get a little bit closer to Froome. So it's still a very, very tight Tour de France. But we know his time trialling skill. We can expect him to lose quite a lot of time and it's I think that um, although Bade's moved up to second overall just a couple of seconds ahead of uh, Uran I think that the final podium is going to end up being Froome at the top with Uran second and uh, Bade in third which is still um, something that French fans can be super happy with you know <laughs> with the stage wins that they've had throughout the race and um, polka dot jersey and another podium for the young superstar of French cycling he's, he's adored he's, uh, he races with Panache and if he could have attacked I'm certain that Bade would have but uh, I, you know I think you need to ride that hill to understand what it's like and what, what damage it does well I drove about uh, I've drove over it uh, yesterday and that uh, is already a killer when you have to manually change the gears uh, so imagine on a bike you get cramp in your accelerator foot is that right you poor guy absolutely terrible um, uh, let's come back to uh, Warren Bargill uh, you, you said he was he made this look easy um, because he was at some point fourth on the climb and then he just climbed back climbed. I think what good performance we can see is that he was able to held Londa that was racing by and racing back to him yeah, I mean, Landa is the talking point of the tour. I think I tweeted during the coverage uh, that, you know, if, let's face it, if Landa was the leader, he, I think he would have won this race by 10 minutes. He looks positively bored at the front of the bunch. doesn't matter if they're going up one of the hardest calls in, in the tour. He's just sitting there sort of... Uh, Jeremy Whittle in the press room was overheard saying, it looks like he's just sitting on a train looking out the window. Like, he's completely... You know, we would like to 
to see a little bit of breathing. I don't know. <laughs> because I think if he was really putting himself to the test, he, he would have lit up the race and, and really, you know, smashed uh, Froome's time to pieces. I think that's pretty clear to everyone who's been watching this race. Does that mean we are already excited for next year with, uh, with Port coming back with a vengeance from Still at Sky and Landa, still a rumor that could be somewhere else, could be a very interesting, and Bardet, of course, could be a very interesting tour next year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're not allowed to talk about uh, uh, transfer period. It's not that official time yet, but I think it's pretty clear that Nairo Quintana is not the rider that he was um, at the Giro or in, in years gone by at the Tour de France. Movistar is looking at options. It's pretty much out there that, that, that Michael Lander's got a new contract and it's been extended to him from the Spanish team. Uh, so I think uh, next year's tour is looking like something that's going to be a, a, a true battle for Froome. I think that uh, he, he's been able to hold the yellow jersey very, but not a big margin, not like we're used to seeing with him, but, uh, largely because his main rival is in his team. So can we say now, we know he's wrapped up for the green jersey, we know he's wrapped up for uh, the Polkadot jersey, those guys just inverted comma have to go to Paris, I know it's still a long way away, but uh, they have to reach Paris and they got a jersey uh, granted to them. Yep. Can we say he's pretty much wrapped up for the yellow as well, in your, in your opinion? I mean, we would like to think that, that, that it could be the 1989 scenario all over again where it would change on the final day. Let's remember Fignon had it all wrapped up and no one really was talking about Le Monde potentially winning the Tour de France in 89. And then he rides the fastest time in, in time trial in Tour de France history, takes the yellow jersey, has product innovation that just you know changes the nature of cycling. So that's sort of the script that everyone sort of wants repeated. And, and I don't see it happening in, in Marseille. But uh, and there's a number of reasons for that. The time trial is was one that's going to certainly sort out the classification. And Chris is a renowned time trial rider. He's won at the Tour de France in time trials before. He's got absolutely amazing equipment. They've, 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 the Sky manages every tiny detail, as we know, in in in, in absolute detail. But I'll give you a little a little uh, insight, uh, and it might mean nothing. But yesterday, when we were coming back uh, to a hotel, we saw that all the Sky cars going for a walk and going for filling the petrol okay yeah. very well organized this morning when we drove in we saw a lot of other teams doing it before the race yeah. so it's a minor detail but sky is a train that is well oiled they yes. do stuff in order and they do it well that's right well what i was getting on and trying to get to about the sky equipment is that they have that detail organized rigobuda uran has won a time trial at the giro in the past he's finished second in the giro d'italia twice he's a, a a rider with a good time trial reputation but I've heard even, dare I say it, Cannondale Drapak team staff talking, lamenting that their time trial bike isn't quite up to the, to the level that it perhaps could be. And, you know, when the, when the bike company is the sponsor and uh, the, the equipment could play, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a role in, 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 in Rigoberto, not quite getting as close to Froome as, as he might, then... It's time to have a little look at, at the equipment, isn't it? But look, who knows? Like, let's let's just dream up this scenario that Froome has a flat tire and then there's a, an awkward wheel change, and it has happened in the past. You know, we, I mean, we can't compare Chris Froome with Michael Rasmussen, certainly not in time trials. But uh, Michael Rasmussen had the yellow jersey and famously, you know, fumbled around a few years ago, and it was a comedy of 
situation, if it wasn't sort of so serious, then it, everyone would have been laughing. I think, in fact, people were quite giggling. But, uh, you know, like, it is a bike race and, and nothing is certain. And I think that's why people will continue to watch and will be tuning in on Saturday evening and, and early Sunday morning in Australia and, uh, and, and you know, uh, enjoying their tour snacks. And <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Sky won't be able to use the, the suit they have uh, had in uh, the first time trial. Do you think that would make a difference? I, I've heard a lot of conjecture about it and I think that there are advantages that come with it but I think that, that um, you know, let's adhere to the rules and I understand that the, the, the regulations of Are being enforced, so they've done it elsewhere at the tour this year. So why not do it with with skin suits as well? Uh, will it make a difference? Well, they, they might not go as fast, but uh, I, I still think that Chris is going to win the penultimate stage and win the Tour de France. But in my heart of hearts, I'd really just for the sake of change, I would like to see uh, Roman Bardet pull out the time trial of his life and uh, and 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 really give French fans something to cheer about. I've been saying it for a long time, but the best thing that could happen for the Tour is for a French rider to win it. Absolutely, and someone like Bardet would be amazing. Uh, we've got to talk about La Course as well, which was uh, taking place uh, before the, the men's race. Yeah. Uh, we have a worthy winner because uh, she went through a rough time, but uh, she's from Ulrika Scott, yeah. worthy winner. Unbelievable, I meet from Flirt, and she just does everything, doesn't she? She gets the headlines by the awful crash that everyone remembers and basically just wants to forget, but you don't unsee those sorts of things. And so we, we've sort of followed her return and she just keeps winning and winning and winning and she's, you know, done it again on the Iswad and uh, it was a, a difficult challenge to try and have a look at La Course as well as the Tour de France and we've been here three weeks chasing the men around and then the logistics of, of the situation in, in the Alps it makes it difficult to see everything but uh, I think that there are a lot of people who are keen to see more women's racing uh it's great that they've got a, an interesting sort of pursuit kind of arrangement for the time trial in marseille i think we'll see get to talk to some of the participants a little bit more and uh, we'll have a, a few more comments to say about it uh, what, do you, what do you make of the fact that they moved that that course uh, la course from the last day in paris mm. as a showpiece to something in the alps that made it let's face it very complex for the journalists to follow it Well, it, it's, it's, that's the problem. I mean, I think that the dream scenario would be that there's a women's Tour de France and a men's Tour de France. There used to be a women's Tour de France. That's it. But it's just the, the logistics involved in organizing the tour, even when there was a women's tour and a men's tour in, in the same year, uh, were enormous. But that cycling has evolved and France is a lot different now to what it was in the 80s. Um, and the security that is required for an event of this nature is immense and it, it's easy for the Twitterati to say, well, why don't we just do the women's race as well as the men's race? But there's, there's so many complications involved in it. And when you've been at the tour and you see all that's put into having one race take place, to say, let's just do another one is to say, let's just do the impossible. It's, it's, a, it's a big organisational nightmare. Uh, I'm amazed that it comes together as, as, as smoothly as it does and that we get to the end of the tour without much incident. And um, they'll, they, I think that the best solution for women's racing is for there to be a Tour de France equivalent, possibly not three weeks, um, and for it to be at another time in the calendar so we could pay full attention to it. Absolutely. Well, we'll take a short break and when we come back, we'll talk to you, the organizer of the village uh, in the morning. Uh, if, you, if you haven't been to France, you'll be amazed to see what's the logistics behind organizing a village with so many events in the morning on the start day. Uh, thanks for you stick around because we have to uh, look at what's coming up tonight. I'm looking forward to it.
Zwift is an indoor cycling platform where you can connect with a global community at any time. You can chat with people all over the world, share in group rides, get encouragement from total strangers, and then they quickly become your new riding buddies. In fact, one of the most incredible stories to come out of it, it took it to the next level. They met on Zwift, a couple, and then they got married. It's extraordinary. Really though, the Zwift community is incredible and people all over the world will jump on just to ride with their friends from halfway across the globe. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. Hi, I'm with uh, Guillaume de Premont. You're responsible for all the fun uh, that is happening in a village at the start of the Tour de France every day. Yes, exactly. For all the stage, I'm the manager of the building of the village for the guests and for the rider and for the sponsors. How important it is for the Tour de France to have a point like this where the, the, basically the, the day starts and uh, the party starts? Yes, it's very important for us and for the sponsors and partners because uh, it's, a, it's a meeting for all the families of the Tour de France. Talk to us about logistics. So what does that involve? Because it's a massive, massive logistical, I was going to say nightmare. It might not be a nightmare, but it's, it's massive. Yes, we have uh, 17 trucks just for the village and uh, five trucks for the technical area. And we have uh, 70 guys who build the village. So you build the village when at night, ready for the morning? Yes, exactly. Uh, we begin to build the village at nine until uh, two, uh, two, uh, two a.m. And after we, we open the village at nine. So now it's about 10 o'clock when I speak to you. It's where the party is, is going on. What's happening straight after when you, uh, like we are in the party, when does that close? What's happening after? Uh, when the village closes, we dismantle all the village in four hours, five hours max, and we go direct to build uh, another village. And as you said, 70 people. Has it always been like this or has it been increasing over the years? Is it a big part of what ASO is doing? Uh, it's uh, the same guys for, uh, than the last year. And uh, they build every day the same village. It's uh, uh, all the time the same. We saw the difference uh, two years ago because we have a new village where we start. Uh, it's a new start for us from two years ago. How many uh, partners? How many stands do you have in this village? Uh, 42. Okay. 42 tents, and we have uh, 1,500 people in the village every day. Every day, yes. So it's a massive responsibility. Yes, day and night, or night and day. Yeah. So we just after, we, we had the rest day. Do you rest as well on the rest day? Yeah, yes, because we build uh, the, the village the day before the rest day to have uh, really a rest day uh, yesterday. Yeah. So the only person in the Tour de France that has the rest day is you, uh, you guys? Uh, everybody had a rest day, normally. But uh, I went just to, uh, to check the village. Is there a village that is harder to build than other? I'm thinking, you know, the last one, the first one, where, the mountain one. What, what's the difficulties? Uh, for me, it's hard to build in Lamur because it's very, very small. We are in, uh, in the school. And in saint Giraud because in saint Giraud we have not more place, but we are obliged to, to build the village. Thank you, Guillaume. You're welcome. We've been talking about Swift a lot as a sponsor, but did you know it's available on PC, Mac and iPhone and iPad? That means it's super easy to get on with just your trainer and your bike and your phone if you want to. That's pretty cool and it's pretty simple. It makes it a lot easier just to get started, which is often the hardest part. So get started and check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. 
Welcome back to the Zwift Tour de France podcast. And I'm still here with Rob. Uh, so after such an exciting stage yesterday, uh, we'll have something a little bit less exciting, I think. I don't know. We'll see uh, how you read this. We are coming from Embrun, heading to Salon de Provence. Uh, 222 kilometers and 500 meters, to be precise. It's a long stage. It, it's a big, long stage. and uh, But this is sort of falls into the true uh, old school category of a transitional stage, really. I mean... That's going to be, uh, my prediction is it'll be a group of 20, 18 or 20 guys, they'll go up the road and we won't see them again. It's, uh, the, the classifications have all but been decided and uh, if there was still hope of perhaps Greipel winning the green jersey, he might take it, take it on or maybe he'll even put himself in the move. And, uh, and if that happens, then it'll be not quite panic stations from Sunweb, but they'll at least be a... a hip to the groove of what's going on so Michael just needs to protect his points and, and get to Paris He's got quite a good buffer ahead of him uh, do you really think that he's, he's in risk of, of losing that jersey even if Greipel no. does it or is it just, just for showing the, who's the boss on the green jersey Well I think he'd quite like to just make up that nine point deficit that he was behind Kittle before Kittle crashed just sort of just as a, a gentleman's gesture to say look I would have picked those points up maybe he'll do something along those lines but I spoke with Michael uh, before stage 18 and he was saying they've done the calculations and Grappa would have to win both intermediate sprints and the stage today in Salon de Provence and the stage in uh, in Paris so I mean it's a he hasn't been able to do that so far this year's tour so we think we can comfortably say ride comfortably carefully get to Paris Michael and we'll we'll uh raise a glass when you're on the podium. And there will be two jerseys for, for Sunweb because uh, yesterday uh, Bargill secured his uh, Spokaldot jersey. Quite amazing when you think about If you look back at what we were thinking in, in Dusseldorf, yeah. thinking Sunweb can walk away with two jerseys, distinct jerseys, it's incredible. It's amazing planning by Luke Roberts. You know, this guy's unsung hero. Well, I don't like to call anyone to do with cycling heroes, but he's the unsung star of, uh, of the tour this year, you know, Luke, or actually of cycling. You know, if you look about at the, the races that Luke has been uh, the strategist for, it's one was the Giro d'Italia, one's the Tour de France. They win the Giro with Tom Dumoulin. Uh, it was amazing... Uh, uh, effort there and it was well paced and even with the incidents that occurred on the way to Milan uh, he still came out on top and, and finished the race in the pink jersey and then this year uh, they came in all guns blazing for the green jersey they really they calculated how many points that they wanted to earn uh, before the tour they said 350 mark was going to win them the jersey I think that's pretty close to where Michael's at at the moment and yeah everyone is going to be talking about the absence of Sagan and the 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 the, uh, the the, the, the withdrawal of uh, Cavendish from injury and Kittel from injury and all of these things but Michael can't change that and uh, I think that there's every reason for Australians to uh, or for, for any cycling fan in fact to be you know savouring the fact that there's a new green jersey winner and he just happens to be an, a super likeable Australian character. And at the end of the day, you have to be the strongest and you have to reach Paris. Exactly. I mean, we talked about it when Kittle won his fifth stage and, and you asked, is it all over? And, uh, and I, I sort of had the belief that his lead was so strong that it was likely that he would win it. But I also referenced that he had to make it to Paris. And it's just it's rotten to see... Um, 
anyone miss out because of misfortune and I know that Michael for example in stage 18 he wouldn't put any green handlebar tape there was no green uh, accoutrements on his bike at all and he, he said that that was a v- very deliberate thing it was out of respect to Marcel Kittel in the past riders have tried to uh, abstain from wearing the yellow jersey when they've inherited it because of a crash but the rule is that there has to be a yellow jersey in the race in recent times or in my time at the tour the only instance that I can remember of there being no yellow jersey in the race other than the opening day was when uh, Contador um, didn't take the yellow jersey going to Angoulême in 2007 because uh, Rasmussen had been sent home by his team and he was the uh, the race leader up until that point and uh, so anyway but that's a stop me because I'm going off on a tangent <laughs> that's all right uh, let's talk about this stage so uh, transitional stage uh, we've got three cat threes there's one intermediate sprint I mean I'm gonna have to ask you who do you see at the end It's really hard. Like, uh, yeah, it's really. probably uh, probably impossible to pick up. We're going to have to pick up someone. Yeah, really. I mean, you, you just have to look down the the list of teams that haven't accomplished much at the tour and 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 and, and pick someone from that group. Could could Cummings do something? I mean, he's been the guy that have been. He's been trying a bit, but at the end of the day, Dimension Data they haven't won a stage, and they are craving for a stage. Yeah, it's true, it's true. I mean, we see Serge Powell's always on the attack in the mountains. We see Edvard Bozenhagen, you know, hitting it hard in the sprints. Steve Cummings had a fantastic end of June. Uh, he's either on the front or the back of the bunch, <laughs> and, uh, and maybe it'll be time for him to light it up. I think he prefers it to be a little bit more rugged, the terrain. Uh, but, yeah, why not? I saw him uh, at the start of Stage 18 having a chat with Dave Brailsford, maybe... Um, Maybe there's some discussions going on but with him and maybe... No, I don't think so. I don't want to start that speculation. Uh, Cummings is a good pick. Uh, someone from Dimension Data, you know. Uh, um, there's a, a wealth of talent on that team. Uh, What about Jay McCarthy uh, f- from Boar? Interesting, yeah. That, that, well, well, let's be parochial. Let's give it a shot and say that Jay could be the one who's in the move. But really, it's a random, it's a random selection. Put the names on a dartboard and throw and, uh, and see who you come up with. It, it's, it's similar... It, I don't think it's going to be raining going to Salon de Brafon, so it doesn't usually do that there. But it's a bit like the day that Ramundus Navadauskas won in 2014, where it was, you know, just a, someone who, who, who deserves the reward and is still at the end of a long, hard, difficult, hot race, prepared to go on the attack and prepared to take that chance to roll the dice and, and, and just hope that the peloton doesn't doesn't spoil the party but uh, I'm trying to think of a, a name that'll come out Jay McCarthy well let's go with that it, it suits him I spoke to him the day after Peter Sagan was uh, evicted and uh, asked if he would get a chance and he said that that's likely we saw he had a sprint in Rodez uh, the, the time that uh, Matthews won his first stage and he came fifth so uh I know he's keen. He seems motivated. He was very happy in uh, in Briançon at the start of stage 18. He gave me a big shout out and hello. And he certainly seemed, to, you know, anything but affected by illness or something like that. Why not? Let's give it a go. Okay, that would be our pick for today. Uh, thank you, Rob. It was lovely to have you uh, in the podcast for uh, for today. And hopefully, we'll have uh, at least another one before Paris. Well, maybe we should just do a massive group one in Paris, and um, but perhaps uh, before the champagne is opened. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Cheers. And uh, this is it for us now. Remember, you can uh, download and stream this podcast on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash cyclingcentral. You can also find us on iTunes, uh, find us on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or schedule a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift on zwift.com. On behalf of the whole team here looking after you for this podcast on the roads of France is goodbye for now. Au revoir et à demain. 
Thanks to Zwift for sponsoring the SBS Tour de France podcast. Every day throughout the Tour de France, there are SBS group rides that you can join and see how your wattage output compares to the likes of Richie Port and Chris Froome. Check it out today by visiting Zwift.com to learn more.